Well, I'd like to give a big welcome to you all here this evening and uh, any online. Apologise for any frustration you had this morning. We had a power cut down here for an hour, so it meant that we couldn't transmit. So I apologise for the difficulties it gave you. It gave you a few difficulties here, but thankfully we were able to get through those difficulties. We're going to join together in a minute to sing our first song, and you'll notice that each of the verses ends that Jesus is Lord. And so as an introduction to that, I wanted to uh, read just some verses. You needn't look them up, but at the end of um, the passage at the start of Philippians 2, talking of Jesus, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, shall we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord as we sing together our first song, Name of All Majesty. Let's stand to sing.
Well, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we come with that confession that Jesus is Lord. We come in praise of his majesty, the Father's only Son, the radiance of your glory, the exact imprint of your person. We come in praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter could say, thinking of the transfiguration, they were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And so we want to acknowledge the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we come thankful and in praise that he stooped to come down to this world, taking on human flesh, willing to be a servant, stooping so low even to death, even to death on the cross, humbling himself for people like us, stooping low for sinners. We thank you for the amazing gospel that we believe and treasure. We thank you that he was raised, resurrected, ascended, enthroned. Lord, we do come in praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that we may greatly value him as the pearl of great price. We pray that we may grow in understanding and in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus. We pray we'll be encouraged in our hearts this evening as we come together. We thank you to have the opportunity to praise, to hear from your word, to have it read. We ask that you might be with us. Lord, we're thankful for electricity, deprived of it this morning. We realise how much we find it so useful for the many things we do, the different aspects of the service. We're thankful that week by week that has not been a problem for us for so many years. And we thank you for the blessing that technology and equipment brings. We pray, Lord, as well as having that blessing of that life and power coming into our services, we pray for spiritual life and power. As things were turned on later in the service this morning, as there was light and life and more sound, as there was more of a buzz, So, Lord, we pray that spiritually the Holy Spirit may be at work in our hearts, that we might be spiritually alive, uh, spiritually switched on, spiritually sensitive. Bless us then to that way this evening for our good and for your honour. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, this evening we're going to be looking at Acts 10. Mark's going to be preaching from Acts 10 later on. Uh, We're going to read through the whole chapter, it's a good sized chapter, so we're going to do it in two parts. So in a minute James Russell's going to read us the first 23 verses before our next song. It's the um, account that involves Cornelius and uh, Peter. And in this first section we see Cornelius has a vision, and then Peter has a vision, and then Cornelius is... messengers uh, come and get looking for Peter to come. So that's what we're following these first uh, few verses and then we'll have more in store later on. So thank you James if you'd read for us. Acts 10 Chapter Acts 10, verse 1 to 23. 
At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who had spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man, who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you, to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Thank you. So God appeared to Cornelius, God appeared to Peter, Cornelius was invited and in the next reading after our next song we'll see um, Peter escorted to Cornelius's house and we'll see what sort of reception he gets and we'll see what is said and the other events that happens. One of the things that will come out, you'll notice from Cornelius, is his eagerness to hear God's word. And that is what is behind our second song, which is Speak, O Lord. 
Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth, plant it deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness. So we're seeing this through, and then Paul Philpott's going to come and read the rest of Acts chapter 10. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. 
But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then, why are you sent for me? And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your arms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you've been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we're all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and caused him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Well, we look forward to hearing more from that pivotal and exciting chapter, Acts chapter 10, in a little while. Um, just before I pray, I want to mention a couple of things. Uh, one is we have been uh, mentioning in the last uh, month or two, for those who've been involved with things here, Passion for Life, which is uh, an initiative focused on next year to encourage evangelism, particularly approaching Easter, but is encouraging a lifetime of evangelistic outlook. And there are some training videos that have been produced. And we've sent the links to those training videos out. I sent them to the gents, and Esther sent them to the ladies. If you haven't received that email, you're not on our list, you're welcome to be on our list, and just let us know. 
Um, some people might want to um, perhaps look at one uh, a week. There's quite a number of them, over 20 of them, but if you take one a week, about 15, 20 minutes, that may be manageable. You might want to do that. Uh, and uh, a good week to start is this coming week. Uh, we are going to put on the bulletin each week, uh, one for the week, for those who want to do it that way. You might want to um, watch it uh, in liaison with uh, somebody else. So what I'm going to try and do, Esther and I are going to try and watch one a week, Wednesday lunchtime, one o'clock, that's the plan. I know Wednesday, one o'clock is not a very good time for most of you, so it won't be the same for you. But maybe there's a slot each week that you can think, yeah, we'll try and watch one a week, see how it goes. And uh, you might want to uh, liaise with somebody else. So uh, Peter Turner was the person next to me on our men's evening um, when we were chatting these things through. So Peter and I have agreed to uh, exchange a highlight by email as the week goes on. And maybe something similar might be helpful for you as well. So passion for life, just mention those things. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is some of you may remember Jack Barmforth. Dear Jack uh, came to our morning services from Millwood House for a, a number of years. Um, if you do remember him, he was the one who kept saying amen. <laughs> kept saying amen to what was said. He loved the word of God. He was converted in Jerusalem actually. Often would tell his testimony over and over again. Well he's got weaker as the years go by. Reached 100, 101 and he was he passed away this last week and was taken to glory. He's one of those, like this morning, who died in faith. So just passing those on for those of you who have a, a memory of dear Jack. I'm a fond memory, I'm sure. Okay, shall we join together then and pray? Heavenly Father, we come in prayer asking for your work in our lives and hearts. We do want you to speak to us and we want you to form in us your likeness and we want to be Christ-like. We want that mind to be in us which was also in Christ Jesus. And so we pray for that. We pray for that humility and that trust, and that obedience, and that love, and that compassion, and that servant-heartedness, and that wisdom, that care for people, that faithfulness, that truthfulness. Or we want to be more like Jesus. We call ourselves Christians, many of us. We trust, we hope that you have made us more like him through your, the work of your spirit and over the years. But we do pray that will continue and not go backwards. We pray for that as a church and for other churches that may be linked with us here this evening. Lord, it is a, a great grief when churches... Church leaders perhaps, church members are very much not like Christ. When the surrounding uh, folk can point fingers and see things which are uh, a major gaps in behaviour and outlook and words from those who Christians follow. Lord forgive us where that's been the case with us and, and help us 
and the churches we know and love and care for to be Christ-like. And where we have blind spots, Lord, do help us to see, do help us to repent and to rectify. We do pray that here, as a community of believers, we may be salt, we may be light. Lord, we do pray that that backcloth of genuine love and care for those around us may be in our hearts. And as we think of reaching out to others, and as perhaps some of us start to watch these videos about friendship and connection and gospel opportunities, we do pray that uh, you would help us to be loving towards others, concerned for their natural welfare, concerned for their spiritual welfare, concerned for their eternal welfare. To have renewed confidence in the relevance of the gospel of Christ. We do pray that uh, this time of this build up to East next Easter with the different initiatives which are taken uh, across uh, the UK and into Ireland too may be a, a, a real boost to the churches that as we come out of lockdown which has been a, a time of somewhat retreat and withdrawal and instead we may come out with a, a, a zeal for passing on your truth an increased ability we feel our lack of ability we are clumsy Lord we are cowards sometimes Lord and we need the help of the Holy Spirit to be better witnesses we pray for help Lord, we do pray you would be with us as a church as we start to think of next year. And as God willing, we make plans as to what would be right to do, both in terms of our own events and plans and groups and our outreach efforts. May we have your mind to do things wisely. Lord, you know what we can cope with as a church and what is too much for us. You know where we should focus. We pray for help and we pray for willing workers to be able to fulfil the different roles of leadership and helping for the things that you want done here as part of our ministries at Forest Fold. Do equip us and provide for us that we may serve you gladly as a church and reach out with the gospel of Jesus. Lord, we, some of us, remember Jack. Remember him fondly as somebody who delighted in Jesus loved the Lord, who loved people, who had been wonderfully converted and then for many decades was a warm-hearted believer. Oh, we remember how weak he has been in recent years in his mind and also in his body more recently. And we thank you that he is now experiencing the blessings of a better country, of a heavenly city, of a homeland. And we thank you for that wonderful prospect for all of us who've been called by your wonderful grace and who trust in Christ. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We pray that you'll be with us then this evening as your word is opened. We pray for your help for Mark as he steers us through your truth. Bless us, move us, encourage us, challenge us as we need. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
well earlier in Philippians 2, before the verses which point to Jesus as Lord, it says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Well, that is the theme of our third song, which is, may the mind of Christ my Saviour live in me from day to day, by his love and power controlling all I do and say. Shall we sing and pray as we sing our next song? Well, good evening everyone, it's good to see you all here tonight and welcome again to those on the live stream. Uh, this week I've been uh, thinking just a little bit about uh, passion for life and uh, just thinking really about sharing the good news with uh, the people around us um, and just the huge variety of people that we have. Obviously there's some in Crowborough, uh, but if you travel around to different towns and cities, huge variety of uh, people. And this week I read the uh, historical account that we've had read to us uh, in Acts 10. And there's a lot of things that we can draw out of it that relate to us sharing the good news of Jesus today. 
there's some of the things in this chapter that have the capacity to give us a real boost in this. And there's also some things which I think might rightly potentially challenge us as well. And there's some challenges that, that may speak particularly to those of us who have been a Christian for a good number of years. This is the longest narrative in Acts. You may have noticed it was quite long as we had it read out. So we're going to go through it at pace um, and we're going to draw out lessons as we go. So firstly, in Acts 10, we see that God speaks to Cornelius. God speaks to Cornelius. We meet Cornelius in verses 1 and 2 of Acts 10. If you're someone who likes to follow along, you might want to have a Bible open, uh, and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go through it. It says this, verse 1, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. So Cornelius, he lives in Caesarea, uh, and he's a centurion. Uh, centurions would have been paid quite a bit more than the average soldier, so he would have been pretty wealthy, he was well known, and in many ways he would have made a good Jew. In fact, uh, people said about him that he was well respected by the whole Jewish nation. He was a devout man, and he feared God. Uh, he prayed continually, so he prayed every day when the Jews would pray. And he gave money and food generously to the poor. The fact that he gave generously uh, shows us that he wasn't just doing it because it was a religious thing to do, that's what you should do, but he did it because he had a heart for people. He wanted to care for them, he wanted to do good. So he's acting like a good Jew, but he's not a Jew. However much people respected Cornelius, however much they liked him, he was always going to be seen as a bit of an outsider to the Jews. He was seen as being excluded from God's promises to Israel. It says this in verse 3, about the ninth hour of the day, so for us that's roughly 3pm, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? He stared in terror. This isn't the sort of angel that you see on a Christmas card with a sort of baby face and they look all cute and fluffy. Uh, Cornelius is not a small child. He's not a small child that might be scared of spiders or the dark like we heard this morning. He's a Roman centurion. He's a veteran soldier. And he stares in horror. And the angel said to him, your prayers and your arms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now, send men to Joppa and bring one Simon who is called Peter. He is lodging with another Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. So you've got Simon Peter, who we'll call Peter, and you've got Simon the tanner. And tanners work with dead animals in order to convert their skins into leather. That was their job. Not a very nice job at all. Well, Cornelius may not be a Jew, but God had heard his prayers and he'd seen his generosity. And they've ascended up to God as a memorial. It's like his prayers and his, his services, uh, his, his good deeds have, have ascended to God like a sacrifice, a beautiful sacrifice to God. And God's remembered them all. And now the time has come when God is going to answer those prayers that Cornelius has been praying. 
We don't know how long Cornelius has been praying for, how many years, but it must have been a good number of years that he's been doing this to be respected in the, the Jewish nation. And so what an amazing thing to hear that God has heard your prayers and he remembers them. And I know that there's a good number of people in this church that pray regularly. And there's a good number of people as well who are very generous with their time, with their money, with their energy. And, uh, and quite often this is done in secret. Quite often our prayers and our giving is done in secret. It's not all up the front. But God sees. And he remembers these things because it's beautiful to him. And uh, maybe, maybe you've prayed for many, many years for Sunday school or for First Tuesday or First Steps or, or many of the other things that we do. I won't name them all, but maybe you've been praying for those things for years. And, you know, those prayers are not wasted. God remembers those prayers. He treasures those prayers. Or maybe, maybe you pray for things that never get on the bulletin. Maybe you do things that are never seen by others at all. Maybe you meet with a, a colleague to share Jesus with them. And you really pray for them. Maybe you meet with a friend to pray about the persecuted church. Maybe you just pray personally because you want to get to know God better and you want to grow in your life for him. You know, God remembers your prayers. And that's a great boost, isn't it, for us as individuals as we pray, but also as a church, as we serve God and as we come together every week to pray. Isn't that a boost? God remembers our prayers. Well, the angel says to Cornelius, send men to Joppa to go and get Peter. So here's a map for you. And there's Caesarea, where Cornelius is at the moment. And Joppa is located approximately 30 miles south uh, on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. A lot of you will know, obviously, from the story of Jonah. Um, it's known today as Jaffa, and uh, it's where Jaffa oranges come from. And if you're wondering, that is where you get the little orange bit in Jaffa cakes. So if that helps you remember tonight, then that's good. But back in those days, it wasn't called Jaffa, it was called Joppa. Verse 7 in our uh, Acts 10. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. So God has spoken to Cornelius. And now he's going to speak to Peter. So secondly, God speaks to Peter. This is the Peter uh, Peter, sorry, who is the uh, close disciple of Jesus, and he's now the leader of the church. Now Jesus has ascended up to heaven. It says this, verse 9, The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, so that's the men who have been sent by Cornelius, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So things are already in motion, people are on their way to see Peter, but Peter's completely oblivious to all of this. And about on the sixth hour, which we would call noon, or we might call it lunchtime, he goes up on the roof to pray. Verse 10, fairly unsurprisingly, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened, and something like a great sheet descending being let down by its four corners upon the earth. 
In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise Peter, kill and eat. Well, God is giving Peter a message. And it's a message about something that Peter is very interested in at the moment. Eating. But there's all sorts of animals that are in this sheet that Peter has never eaten before because he's a Jew. Now, some of you will uh, remember very well uh, the scandal that we had a few years ago uh, when they found horse meat in lasagnas. And uh, one of the reasons that people were obviously concerned is because of the different medicines and things that uh, go into horses and and getting that into the human food chain was not a good idea at all. Uh, But for many of us, it was just that that idea of eating horses is not great because in England, as a general rule, we don't eat horses. Uh, and many of us sort of feel that sense of disgust that eating a horse, it just somehow doesn't feel right. So there's a little bit of us that understands some of what it is to be um, horrified or reacting against eating something that we don't normally eat. But in this vision, it's not just that Peter feels a bit queasy about eating some of these animals that he wouldn't normally eat. In Leviticus 11, uh, we're told... Um, that these animals are unclean, or at least some of them, that they were not to eat them because it would make them richly unclean in the sight of God. So the Jews weren't permitted to eat them. So you can imagine that when God says, rise Peter, kill and eat, this is not exactly what Peter expected God to say, not at all. So how does Peter react? Verse 14, Peter says, by no means, Lord, For I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. This is typical Peter, isn't it? God says to him to do something, and he says, no, Lord. Do you remember when uh, Jesus is saying to him, Peter, and, and to the other disciples as well, I've got to go and I've got to die. And what does Peter do? He rebukes him and he says, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Do you remember in John 13... When, uh, when Jesus starts to wash their feet, what does Peter say? No, you shall never wash my feet. You know, sometimes God says things that don't quite fit in with our expectations. Or sometimes God says things that even seem to go against what we think God says elsewhere. And we need to be really careful, don't we, that we don't say, no, Lord, to something that God has very clearly told us to do, just because we don't feel it's right, or it doesn't quite meet our expectations. Well, it's true that in the Old Testament, God had told them not to eat some of those things. Uh, But now, a new time has come. This vision that God has, has shared with Peter isn't just about letting Peter know that he can now eat bacon, as good as that is. God is using this vision to teach Peter about bigger things, and to teach Peter about people. He's not to look at the Gentiles as unclean anymore. The Gentiles too can have a place in the family of God. They too can be clean. God is getting Peter ready here to meet Cornelius And to go to Cornelius' house, something which Peter would have never done before because the Jews felt that even going into a Gentile's house made them unclean. So God's getting Peter 
ready. And it's incredibly difficult for us to grasp the, the vast chasm that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles. We, we don't really have anything quite like it today. It wasn't just that, you know, they, they were quite different to each other. There was a bit of sort of tension sometimes because they were different. The Jews looked down on the Gentiles with a deep-seated racial intolerance. They knew that as Jews, they were descendants of Abraham, and they were God's chosen people. And so they'd kind of developed this idea that they were God's favourites. And their thinking had become twisted and biased, and it had led to racial pride and hatred. But what they'd done is they'd forgotten why God chose Abraham's family in the first place. We've heard quite a bit about Abraham in the last couple of weeks. John's been speaking about it on a Sunday morning. Let's go right back to Genesis 12, where God makes the promise to Abraham that we've heard about. Listen carefully to what he says. So this is Genesis 12, verses 2 and a bit of 3. God says to Abraham, And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And then we miss a bit, and then at the end of verse 3, And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. You see, right from the start, God's promise to Abraham has not just been about blessing them, it's been about blessing the whole world through Abraham. In the the Psalms and the prophets, uh, they write about the fact that the Messiah will one day inherit all the nations. So God has been explaining these things to them, but the Jews just hadn't quite got it. And so they were biased and they were twisted in their thinking. And they viewed the Gentiles as dogs. But now Jesus has come. And he has died and he has risen for sins. And a new dawn has arrived where Gentiles can be considered clean. Because... Well, because they can be washed in Jesus' blood. But Peter needs this more than once. So verse 15, And the voice came to him again a second time, What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times, and the thing was taken up at once, up to heaven. Three is a pretty significant number for Peter. If you know the life story of Peter, you'll know that three is pretty significant. So we know now what this vision is all about. We know what God is trying to teach Peter. But Peter's still very confused about this. He doesn't get it. It talks about him being inwardly perplexed. And as he's thinking it over, the men sent from Cornelius arrive at his gate. This is verse 19. And while Peter was pondering the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. So God has spoken to Cornelius, and now he has spoken to Peter. And tomorrow, they are going to meet. 
And this is what we see next. Peter meets Cornelius. This is what it says. The next day he arose. Bear in mind that it was about a 30 mile or so trip. So it's not surprising it took a long time. They didn't have cars back then. So they go the next day. He rose and went away with them. And some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. And on the following day they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them. And had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I too am a man. Peter's no one special. Uh, He's just a first-hand witness of Jesus and his life. And he's been filled with the Holy Spirit. But other than that, he is just a man. And we don't know when it all clicked for Peter. But it must have been starting to click as he's on his way to see Cornelius. He must have been starting to understand what God has been teaching him. Says verse 27 now. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to him, to them, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Then Peter asked, why did you send for me? And so Cornelius tells Peter all about the vision, all about the fact that God had told him to go and send for Peter. And so Cornelius says, so I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Well, I wonder if that's how you've come tonight. There's a good number of people here, just like there are a good number of people in that story. As preachers, we are are thrilled when people say to us something along the lines of this. We've come here to be in the presence of God to hear all that you've been commanded to say to us. Wouldn't that be amazing if that was all of our attitudes as we came on a Sunday to hear the word of God? So Peter's met Cornelius and now he shares the good news. Peter shares the good news. Verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Peter finally gets it. God doesn't show partiality. He doesn't show favoritism. The race or the nation that you are from does not matter to God. God doesn't care about external criteria like that. God's requirements are simply that we fear him, that we respect him, and that we do what is right. That doesn't mean that we don't need Jesus. Peter is just about to tell Cornelius all about Jesus so that Cornelius can put his faith in Jesus. We need Jesus, absolutely. But Peter's understanding and his heart have been so changed by God that he's come to the point that he understands that anyone, if they seek God, can know God through Jesus. Well, in just a little while, we're going to see a surprising conversion. We're going to see Cornelius hear about Jesus and put his faith in him. And that is surprising because he is a Gentile centurion, not the sort of person that you'd expect to come to faith in Jesus. But actually, in many ways, I feel like the most surprising conversion in this story is actually Peter's. 
It's not a coming to faith conversion. This isn't the first time he's come to know Jesus. But his heart has just been changed from a sort of racial intolerance and pride to having a real love for the Gentiles and praise for God. And so Peter, he tells them all about Jesus. He tells them all about Jesus' life, about the fact he's been anointed, about all the powerful things he's done. And of course he goes on to tell about Jesus' death and about how the fact that God has raised him from the dead. He tells them about the fact that Jesus had come preaching the good news of peace. And he tells them two really important things. He says, Jesus commanded us to preach two things. That Jesus has come, or will come as judge. He's been appointed as judge. But also, he's been the one who's been appointed that, so that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. You know, when we tell people about Jesus, we need to be sensitive and careful how we do that. But these are two really important things to get across. If we're sharing with someone, if we want them to get an accurate view of Jesus, then it's really important that they understand that Jesus has been appointed as judge and that he will judge the living and the dead, so that's all of us. But also that he is the one who will forgive us if we come to him. Well, maybe, uh, maybe you feel like you're just not very good at sharing the, the good news of Jesus. You've tried before and uh, frankly, it feels like it's been a bit of a mess and uh, you just think, I'm no good at this. There, there's other people that you look at and you just think they're so gifted at just speaking to, to people who don't know Jesus. I wish I was more like that. And I just want to give you a bit of a booster from this story. Just a very quick one first. There's another one to follow. But you know, God could have easily used the angel to share the gospel to Cornelius, couldn't he? He used the angel to tell Cornelius to go and send for Peter. He could have easily just said to the angel, tell the gospel perfectly to Cornelius so that he completely understands. But he doesn't. He says, go and fetch Peter. And Peter will be the one that explains it. You know, God could just as easily use angels to evangelise to Crowborough and to the places wherever we come from. He could easily use angels who would be perfect at sharing the good news of Jesus. But he doesn't. He selects us in all our imperfections, in all our stumbling, in all our lack of knowledge, in our frailty. He uses us to be the ones to share the good news of Jesus. I hope that's a booster for you. But also another booster for us. In chapter 11, Peter basically recollects everything that's happened in chapter 10. There's some uh, Jews that haven't heard what's going on, and so they criticise Peter for what he's done. And so basically Peter tells the story, so it's kind of, you're rereading a lot of what you've just read. But what's interesting is that when Peter tells his story, he starts at his vision. So whereas in chapter 10 we start with Cornelius' vision, in chapter 11 Peter starts with his vision. And of course for him, that's where his story started, isn't it? That makes sense. He didn't know about Cornelius' vision. The story started earlier than Peter's story. 
And you know, sometimes God does this. So we might meet someone. It might be at work, it might be at school, college, it might be at a club that we go to, it might be that we just bump into them um, somewhere. And for us, that is where our story with them starts. That might be the, the sort of starting point for us. But God's story may well have started quite a bit earlier. It, it may have been that actually what God's been doing is just like he's been doing in this story, where God has been preparing both the other person and you to get to a certain point where you can meet and then they are ready to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus. And maybe he's preparing you so that you are ready to share it in a way that is helpful. A short while ago, uh, we had a men's event. Um, John mentioned it already tonight. We had Rob Pickering come and speak to us. It was a really helpful meeting. It was, it was good. And uh, forgive my memory if I get it wrong. I know there's a lot of men here who might be able to challenge me, but I think I've got most of this right. Um, but at one point he was telling us when uh, he was basically going door to door in his local area, and he was introducing himself, and he was telling people about the church and sort of inviting them along. And uh, he'd done quite a few houses. And he got to the last house that was on the patch that he was doing. And uh, there was a guy outside. And he was a guy and he had all his tattoos on him. And uh, Rob sort of thought in his, in his head, he sort of thought, really, Lord? Do I have to talk to this guy about church? And... Um, and he told us how he thought it'd be so nice just to sort of finish one house early. You know, just kind of, he's done quite a lot, you know, just skip the last house, head back to the comfort of, of his church, have a cup of tea, something quite nice. But he cl- uh, plucked up the, the courage and, and said hello to this guy. And he said it was the best chat he'd had in ages. And uh, I was chatting with John this afternoon to try and get the facts right and I remembered that this is this is what what had happened this guy had been praying just the day before that God would provide someone for him to talk to isn't that amazing just the day before this guy had been praying that God would send someone to talk to you know God may already be preparing people to meet us and we don't even know these people yet And yet God may already be preparing people. Well, lastly, we see the Holy Spirit is poured out. The Holy Spirit is poured out. Verse 44 now. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days, presumably so that Peter could teach them more about Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is now poured out on the Gentiles. It's a repeat of Pentecost, but this time for the Gentiles. And God is showing both visually and audibly 
that he is coming into the lives of these Gentiles. And so Peter baptises them. If God's accepted them, then surely we should too. So he baptises them. And just notice what happens. Because he baptises them in Christ, Paul explains this to us in Galatians 3. This is verse 27 onwards. For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is not no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is the bit that really struck me. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to the promise. So Cornelius and his family are not Jews. They were excluded from the promises originally. But now, because they've put their faith in Jesus, the promises now apply to them. They are now in the family of God. And and that's exciting news for us, because most of us here, if not all of us, are not Jews by birth. We're we're Gentiles. And, And yet the word quickly spread around the world, and it's reached forest fold in Crowborough, And so many of us have heard it, and we too can now be in the family of God, that those promises to Abraham now apply to us, we're in the family. If you're an outsider, you feel like an outsider, be encouraged that you can be in the family of God. Come to Jesus, follow him, repent. That's all that that he requires, that we follow Jesus. We're nearly finished But I just want to finish with just some challenging questions for us Christians, those of us who are Christians. Uh, Maybe especially for those of us who have been Christians for many years. Peter has uh, seen so much of Jesus. Uh, He followed him around uh, as Jesus was ushering in this new era, this new covenant. And yet even Peter is struggling with this intolerance and pride that it's not really in line with what the Bible taught. And so I want want to finish with some questions to help us think about this as a church and as individuals, uh, just to help us think this through a bit for ourselves. So just three questions. So firstly, in what ways might we make distinctions between people that God does not make? So in what ways might we make distinctions between people that are not distinctions that God would make? Secondly, are there any cultural assumptions that we might have that God might challenge? So do we have any cultural assumptions that we might have that God might challenge? And then finally, is it possible that we know in our minds, we know that the gospel is powerful and that it is for everyone. But in reality, 
we limit who we share the gospel with because of our own wrong expectations. So is it possible that in our minds we know that the gospel is for everyone and that it's powerful, but actually in the reality of our lives that we limit who we share the gospel with because of our own wrong expectations? Well, one of the things that might be really helpful to do is actually to chat to other people, chat to people in the church. Um, sometimes you find that these cultural assumptions that we might make are actually wrong, we didn't realise, but actually someone else who sees things differently explains to us, no, that's wrong. So it's good to, maybe a good opportunity to chat about these things and chat, uh, think about them more fully, especially as we think um, over the coming months about how we share the good news of Jesus with the people around us. So, there's been a good number of encouragements in Acts 10, some good boosters, there's also been some challenges, but I hope it's been useful for us to look at that account in Acts 10. We're going to sing our final song now, um, and I chose it particularly for the last couple of lines of the last verse, if we can have those on there. From each tribe and tongue and nation, you are leading sinners home. So when the musicians are ready, we'll stand up and we'll sing.
Well, let's pray to finish. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came down to earth. Uh, Lord, you lived in obedience to the Father. Uh, Lord, you did many wonderful things. And then, Lord, you died. You were raised again. Lord, you ascended. And, Lord, we thank you that by your blood and by your works, Lord, that all people can come to you and be considered clean before God. And Lord, I thank you that that is good news for us. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who doesn't know that for themselves, Lord, I pray that they would rejoice in the fact that they can come to you and know forgiveness and be in your family. Lord, thank you for that. And Lord, for those of us who are already Christians, Lord, I pray that we may love sharing the good news of Jesus. And Lord, that we may not make distinctions. Lord, that we may share with whoever, Lord, you put in our way. And Lord, we thank you that we are not the ones to change people, Lord. It is by your spirit that changes people. So Lord, I pray that we would be really encouraged by the things that we've seen in Acts 10 tonight. And rightly challenged where we need to be. Lord, do be with us as we uh, go into the week. Lord, I pray that we'd remember these things. I pray that there'd be a blessing to us. pray that we'd be witnesses as we go into the world. Lord, do bless us. Keep us safe, I pray. Bring us safely together uh, next week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.